Welcome to Data Hurdles, a weekly podcast where we explore the impacts data and technology have on our day-to-day lives. My name is Michael Burke. And I'm Chris Detzel. All right, welcome to another Data Hurdles. I'm Chris Detzel and... I'm Michael Burke. Michael Burke, how are you? Doing well today, Chris. Uh, Beautiful day here. We had a little rain come in, but... uh... Got this project I'm working on. It's totally outside of data hurdles right now where I'm doing some construction in my house, which is really yeah. exciting, building a pantry. So my <laughs> off hours are completely occupied on this, like, you know, hammering wood and making sure it's straight and square. And of course, like me being a data guy, I'm trying to do way too much analysis on what we're doing. <laughs> my dad's a contractor for this. Uh-huh. So like work on this project he's like just move like continue working and i'm thinking about like squareness and all these things to a degree that doesn't need to be thought of so that's my day outside of work yeah yeah (laughs) well you know it's always good to hear what's going on a little bit outside of work and so i was telling you a little bit earlier that uh my wife and i are going out to big sur so we live in dallas texas but she's running another marathon out there uh she ran boston a couple weeks ago but now we are off tomorrow which will be a friday to a Monday for her to run another marathon, but I get to awesome. watch and hang out. So, yeah. Very cool. Are <laughs> we targeting a specific time for this one or? No, nah, I think on that one, she just, you know, it was kind of a special thing. It was called Boston to Big Sur. Um, awesome. And she was, she was offered to go. And so she was like, yeah, I want to do it. It's kind of like a bucket list. And so she did that. So, yeah, I mean, it's just a fun marathon, if you can call it that. Very <laughs> cool. So, well, oh, wait, wait, this is the Big Sur run. I think I've heard about yeah, this one before. Yeah. It's it's pretty wild, right? Is this the like that wild race? Yeah. Well, it's hilly and it's beautiful, yeah. but it's really tough, you know, and, and so, yeah, you know, so she, but yeah, she's not looking at a time or anything like that. But yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty well known, I guess, within the marathon play, you know, peeps stuff like Very that cool. so, yeah <laughs> but well we digress a little bit but that, i think that's okay i, I kind of like that but uh today we're going to talk about entity resolution and and more specifically around machine learning uh in large uh, language models with entity re- resolution what do you think yeah let's do it i All think right. it's an awesome topic right now i mean Large language models are changing everything around us. And not to be another person on his soapbox talking about large language models, but um, really when you start to use these, which I'm, I hope most of the people on this call have have used a large language model like ChatGPT or others, um, Hard. you start to see that there are areas of work where things are going to dramatically change right across the, across the board. Um, so I think that for the, the purpose of this, talk, we're going to assume that you have a baseline understanding of large language models. And I'll give it a really high level overview and and also entity resolution. But we can talk about both of those quickly. You know, what are they? Entity resolution is really the process of identifying and linking different records and data points together that refer to the same thing, right? The Hmm. same real world thing. It could be a person or an organization uh, or a job or a profession or a medicine, right? but you're taking data from siloed sources and you're bringing it together and you're making sense of it, saying these two data points belong together and they represent one thing. And then machine learning, you know, if we think about large language models like ChatGPT, they are, um, can greatly enhance this process, which has traditionally been built upon rules and very standard um, structured methodology 
to provide better accuracy, efficiency, and really allows organizations to reduce errors, save time, and gain valuable insights on their data that they wouldn't have otherwise been able to get through a rules-based system. Yeah, that's 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 really great. And you know, I feel like you don't say Bard, so uh, we're going to put Bard into that as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll add Bard and Flan T5 and all these other models that are growing. I just you know, ChatGPT is the one everybody's heard of. Everybody. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll have to offline. You have to tell me a little bit more about the one you just mentioned that I've never heard of. But uh, let's go to the next question because I, I think you know, getting to this is going to be extremely interesting. How do you? supervised and unsupervised learning algorithms, we'll get a little deep here, uh, differ in their approach to entity resolution. And what are some of the advantages and disadvantages of each? Sure, yeah. So let's just first for, for everybody on the call break down, what is supervised versus unsupervised? Supervised yeah. learning algorithms require labeled data to learn, right? So think about, um, you know, you're predicting the price of a house, right? You would need to know other houses' prices to be able to predict, and other variables to be able to predict the current price of a house or the forecasted price of a house. Hmm. Versus unsupervised learning doesn't require any labeled data, and instead it learns through its experience, right? Which some would argue is also uh, labeled, right? Um, and uses clustering and similarity measures to kind of gauge how things belong together or how they are different, right? And so a good example of that would be like a classification model where you're creating, looking at the patterns of things that belong together and trying to kind of group them, you know, based off of the different attributes that you're evaluating. Okay. Um, and, and did you mention any of the advantages or disadvantages of those? Yeah, absolutely. So when you think of supervised vert learning, it is really focused around, uh, if you can get higher accuracy, right? You're providing yeah. trained sets of data. And if you have really well-trained high quality data, you're likely gonna get really good high quality matching. Um, and so, verse, but you know, the challenge with that is that supervised learning takes a ton of time and energy and effort to label all those records, right? And so mm. unsupervised learning is another approach that you don't need to have all of that data. Um, but you can learn that data through either responding and interacting with a model or through it making assumptions on its own. Um, I think that if you look at things like Open uh, AI Gym, Open Gym, I think is what it's called, is a really cool example where you can look at real life demos of unsupervised models and uh, reinforcement models and how these things learn um, over time, right, through different experiences. Hmm. Yeah, just, just one's more accurate and then the other, but. One's more accurate, one's less accurate, but one takes longer than the other kind of thing. So, right, do, and you do know, you these want are speed better or more, or do you want? I mean, it's kind of a interesting thought there. Yeah, and and you know, these are all kind of um, ambiguous terms that we're talking about right now. Really, accuracy it depends on the quality of your data, right? But yeah. assuming that you had the same level of quality and you could invest the same or more labeled records for a supervised problem, you're likely going to have better accuracy, right? Okay. I'm sure there's gonna be a bunch of data scientists like, well, I disagree, you know, but <laughs> uh, this is a good, it's a good discussion to have. We could go deeper, but let's get through some of these questions because I do have some thoughts or, around that particular one. If I remember, I'm gonna ask it here. Um, yeah. 
how can large language models, or we can call them LLMs, uh, maybe we won't, but uh, how can they enhance uh, the accuracy and efficiency of entity resolution? And what specific capabilities do they bring to the table? Yeah, so I think this is really interesting. When you think of a large language model, right? And I've said this multiple times, so I feel a bit like a, a tape recorder, but it's trained off of a huge amount of information. It's trained off of the internet, right? In, in some circumstances or a subsection of the internet. So when you take that to a problem like entity resolution, all of a sudden, all of these things that might be really hard to train a model on just with your data, like for example, nicknames or you know, abbreviations of like LLC, right? As in an organization name, a large language model has the context and understanding to understand that Mike and Michael belong together or that company X Inc is the same as company X Inc incorporated, blah, 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 right? So similar to the experience and the context that we have as people when we're evaluating records, it can get you closer to that understanding of saying, you know, we've seen the relationships between these two types of data in the past because we've been trained on such a large and broad amount of information. Okay. All right. And then uh, I, go ahead. Just, a, just another piece that I think is important is that a lot of time when we talk about entity resolution, we're thinking about structured data, right? Things that are in tabular form, like an Excel sheet, right? We've got rows, we've got columns of data. But large language models can also handle unstructured data, right? Text data. You think about how you use ChatGPT, you feed it a full sentence, right? And it actually yeah. inherits and understands the structure of that sentence to be able to break it down into like a query versus any other model would have a really hard time breaking up a sentence or a piece of unstructured information because it hasn't been trained on that, right? It doesn't have the labels and the experience to know the different components of a sentence, what is important, what is the thing it needs to look up versus a large language model does. I think the large language models are fantastic. I mean, you know, when you, and, and not to get us off completely, but, you know, when I just say just a, what is entity resolution anyways? And it tells me what it is. And then I'll be like, well, give me a, 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 li a real life example in the pharmaceutical industry. And it does. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. I can only, I don't know if it's true or not, but you know, it looks like it, you know, so that's the danger, I guess. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, certainly one of the dangers is that it's trained to respond back in a way that it sounds certain, you know, which right. makes you trust it more, right? <laughs> I'm like, I guess that's a, I better not uh, put that on there. And so getting to dangers or whatever, how can organizations, organizations ensure the ethical use of machine learning and entity resolution, particularly with, you know, respect to issues such as privacy and bias? Yeah, this is a great question and a loaded question and a packed question. And so I think that um, first <laughs> off, like organizations need to do their own due diligence. They need to really understand what is the outcome of this data being used for, right? I think that like I always, I preach this about ethics, but you know, what is the cost of having a good match versus an incorrect match? in your environment? Are we talking about we're going to mess up on a marketing campaign or are we talking about, you know, somebody's life could be at stake? You know, this could be healthcare information. Yeah. Um, these types of decisions and the impact obviously should um, influence the degree of transparency and regulatory process that you implement into each step into building one of these models and using one of these models. But 
in any sense, I think that it's a good practice to measure and understand a bunch of different steps or phases within this process of using machine learning to make decisions for you. So quick question around that is, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in, it's, it's a large language model. It learns on its own. It, it just gets smarter as it goes. How do you make sure of that? You know, like it's learning and, and how do you stop it from doing that? You know what I mean? Like if it's, well, I don't believe what, you know, I don't know, this say, I don't believe this, but it's now smarter than us. You know what I mean? Like what, what, how do we stop it? I don't, maybe I just don't understand the ins and outs of that stuff, but. Yeah, I think that, so for large language models specifically, you really need to make a decision on how much you can trust a model to accurately represent the rules and regulation and data stored actors within your organization and how much you want to rely on that. And really that comes back to what is the cost or impact if this model gets something wrong, right? Okay. I mean, I think that you, you know, if you talk about the process, it's making sure that you have clear understanding of your data collection, your labeling, your model development, and you have really good systems in place that monitor and audit these models for bias and privacy violations. And I feel like there's going to be so many problems at first with these men. I just, I really think yeah, there's there will be there is huge opportunity. already is <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean. It's, I think there, it's a great thing. Don't get me wrong, but I, I think there's just going to be some really interesting challenges. And talking about challenges, let's get back to entity, entity resolution. What are some of the challenges that organizations face when implementing machine learning for entity resolution? And how can these challenges be addressed? It's challenging yeah. you big time today. So let's start off with the one that we just touched upon, which I think is probably the biggest when you're talking yeah. about large language models is interpretability and transparency of models. Can you really understand how a large language model made a decision? Is there traceability? Is it auditable, right? If that is something that matters to how you make decisions with your data, you should be very concerned about using a large language model, right? Mm -hmm. I think that you know if you think about organizations the other challenges that they really run into are things like, um, you know, are these models being maintained? Are they updated? Data changes over time, right? These models have to evolve and be retrained to understand the context of your data if it's changing rapidly. Um, was your model changed on the right data, right? Do you have a really complete view of how you're trying to join two records together or, or find similarities between two records? You know, um, we are constantly building models and evaluating information where we have to say as data scientists, okay, there's not enough data here to really make any conclusions. Like our data isn't a high enough quality that we can leverage machine learning, nor should we be leveraging rules or anything else because we have bad data. Yeah. So, you know, make sure that you're really monitoring the quality of your data and you understand how the quality of your data impacts decisions. And I think if you have that holistic understanding you should be using machine learning or at least considering it in your process. Yeah, that was good. Uh, what, what are some best practices for selecting and implementing a machine learning approach to entity res resolution? And what are some of the factors you should, uh, should organizations consider when making some of those decisions? Yep. So I think the first thing and the first and foremost, most important thing is define clear goals for your model, right? Clear goals and success metrics. What are you trying to do with machine learning and entity resolution? And how is a model going to contribute to that? Um, assessing the data quality and availability is also really important. And then 
right? Choosing the right algorithms for the job, right? If this is something that requires transparency, a large language model probably isn't the right approach. If it's something that is going to need more <laughs> accountability and traceability, maybe a decision tree type model is a better approach because you can actually understand that logic and those weights. If explainability is something that's more important, there's another set of models that would be useful, right? And so really it's it's trying to make an understanding of what are the goals of uh, what job are these machine learning models and what job is entity resolution really trying to do for your business? And these are decisions you're making right now in your your current job, right? So, you know, I think this is this is perfect timing for you uh, yeah. and for us. But how um, how can organizations measure you know the effectiveness of their entity resolution efforts, and what metrics should they use to evaluate that success? Yeah, so that's also really great. I'm a firm believer of having a human in the loop, spot checking the accuracy of your models, right? You can score everything to death, you can create labels to death, but you should also have humans or people evaluating these models. I'm not gonna get into all of the technical scores of how you evaluate and, and kind of understand the quality of a model because I don't think that that would be super useful, but I will say that there's a number of different strategies that we can use to look at scores and kind of back test these models to understand and make sure that they're making the right decisions. Um, but also it's creating really good lines of feedback, right? Who are the downstream consumers of this data of the entity resolution? And how do they play an impact to updating it if it's incorrect and notifying people, the data stores or the people who are responsible for running this entity resolution component within a large organization that the, the decisions have gone awry, right? The data is incorrect. That is a critical piece to any infrastructure and system that really needs to be thoroughly thought through. Um, a good example of this would be you're feeding data into a Salesforce, right? You're taking data from your whole organization and then it's going to Salesforce as prospects, right? Well, if reps are using that data and they find out that it's incorrect, they should have some way to be able to tell you that this data is incorrect because they're going out and they're manually validating that data. They're using it, right? Yeah. And that flywheel, we like to call it, is critical to not only making your models smarter, but also keeping the data stewards informed and the people that are consuming that data, in arming them with the capability to make the whole process better, right? Yeah, you mentioned something before, and we don't have to get completely into it, but I, th I think it's worth mentioning is the data quality that goes into these models has to be, to me, I mean, especially with the entity resolution and a product company like, like we're at, really you wanna make sure that data quality is is very good, uh, I would assume. and are there like, you get to say yes or no to this, but are there like machine learning types things that you could do for data quality to kind of check some of that? Oh yeah, I, mean, I know absolutely. you're doing entity resolution and kind of doing some of the matching and things, but you know, just, just kind of a thought. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Monitoring the quality of your data. There's a whole another set of machine learning tools and models mm -hmm. and capabilities that you can leverage to help automate the process of monitoring quality. You know, you think in the average organization, you might have thousands of data sources. And each one of those data sources might contain thousands of attributes, right, to a specific entity. So you're talking about tens of thousands of pieces of information that should be tracked over time. And we should be understanding the quality of each one of those. A human or even a team of humans is really gonna struggle to do that. Yeah, Machine learning can be used to monitor that data over time to understand if the accuracy, the consistency, the reliability, all of these data quality metrics, which are useful, 
for you to be able to dive in and understand, um, am I feeding the model the right information? Is entity resolution happening correctly? But also, you know, what what could go wrong? You know, if you have a thousand sources, it's it's a matter of time before things break. You know, there's lots of different teams involved, dependencies. You need to have a clear bird's eye view of everything that's going on. And machine learning is one really good way to help amplify that view. So we've been talking a lot about, you know, the models and machine learning, entity resolution. And, and so I'm, I'm trying to, in my mind, figure out what the hell is he talking about and how can we put this into real world use case for, you know, of machine learning and entity resolution. And tell me some of those benefits of implementing such a solution. I want a real life experience or a real life thing. So oh, yeah. Put in my head here. So, I mean, a great one that we we don't probably talk about enough is like fraud detection, right? Mm. When you think about an organization where you're collecting data from websites, mobile apps, all these different locations, you're getting you know millions of users registering and using your services. Well, these fraud people who are doing fraud, they're no longer just putting in like the same John Doe, right? Every time they register a new account or create a fraudulent profile, they're using real information, right? And so for the average data store to be able to spot a fraudulent profile would be really difficult. But what we can do is we can use machine learning to look at probabilistically what's going on within your customer base, right? Mm -hmm. And if you don't have clean, consistent, high quality data coming from a source like an entity resolution source or a master data management source, then you have just complete chaos because you've got thousands of distraught sources that are trying to make sense of data differently in different silos versus one centralized place where you can look across all your customers and do something like fraud analysis on top of that. Um, you know, another great example would be, um, you know, the process of construction, right? When you think of mastering a job of construction, right? building a building or a large house, how many tens of thousands of pieces of information from different suppliers and vendors and sources are being cobbled together to try to make sense of what's going on. A great use case for entity resolution where you have to take lots of complex sources, bring them together into one holistic view. And that can give you sense to what's going on with the project, forecasting, supply chain issues, um, construction workers, employees, mastering all of that together to have a holistic view of a very large, complex job. Well, that's really good. There's a few more questions, but unfortunately, we're not going to be able to get to them today, Michael, but maybe we should do a part two of entity resolution and uh, machine learning. I, I think that might be a good idea, but Michael, thank you. That was really uh, insightful and helpful. Absolutely. And if anyone has any questions, don't forget to uh, hit us up on LinkedIn or through email and we look forward to seeing you all again soon. Thank you. Yeah, and make sure you rate and review us. We love those. Uh, the more we get, uh, the better. Uh, and the more uh, we are seen, I think, within all the algorithms of Apple and Spotify and all those other things. But I'm Chris Detzel and- I'm Michael Burke. Thanks for, thanks for in. coming to another uh, Data Hurdles. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm.